Now, you need to understand of the bet that when it comes to earnings per share, uh, it's going to be divided into two. So we're going to be looking at this in a two-part uh, presentation or discussion. We're going to be primarily having what we call the basic earnings per share and then the diluted earnings per share. So we're going to be having this in two parts, the basic earnings per share and the diluted earnings per share. When we talk about the basic earnings per share, what I want you to think of is uh, the current earnings per share of the company. Okay, the current earnings per share of the company based on current shareholders. Okay, so how much shareholders are going to be receiving right now in today's term. So basic earnings per share is based on the current shareholders, the current shareholding position of the entity. But then the diluted earnings per share, I want you to think of this as uh, the future earnings per share of the company, technically. Is the future earnings per share. In other words, it talks about the earnings per share that... Uh, will be earned by the shareholders potentially in the future. Okay? All potential shareholders, what they are likely to be earning in the future. So we're going to discuss this, like I said, in two folds. Basic earnings per share, diluted earnings per share. Like I said, in a simple language, the basic earnings per share, we'll be thinking about that as the current earnings per share. The current shareholders, how much will they earn should we share the profits attributable to the equity shareholders. But the diluted earnings per share is going to be future earnings per share, taking into consideration all potential shareholders of the entity. It is for this reason why there are three sub-scenarios under the basic earnings per share we must know about. And that is issue at full market price. We have bonus issue. And then we have right issues. Very, very important. So under the basic earnings per share, these are three key scenarios that we're going to be getting ourselves into to know about now because it, it, the rules about how we calculate the earnings per share, it's different when it comes to each of these scenarios. In a given question, the examiner may give us all the scenarios in one or just focusing on one of the scenario or a specific scenario in that regard. Now, in diluted earnings per share, also there are two scenarios there when an entity, you know, gives share options. Okay, the share options could be given to shareholder uh, uh, employees of the company. It could be given to the uh, uh customers or suppliers of the company. So share option, we're going to get into that, don't worry. And then the second thing is where the entity issues any convertible, you know, loan notes or what we call convertible financial instruments. So if an entity issues any convertible financial instruments, that could result into the number of shareholders potentially in the future increasing or changing. For that reason, we would have to find out how we can calculate the impact of these on the earnings per share of the entity. And that is very important for us to understand exactly what is going on. Now, when it comes to issues in relation to the convertible earnings per share, 
uh, sorry, convertible financial instruments, it depends. Either the entity issues convertible or not, as covered in IFRS 9. Okay, maybe the entity is issuing a convertible or not, or the entity issues convertible preferences. Because there are certain preferences that can be convertible. So this is how the overall discussion is going to be, be in relation to IAS 33 and Inspection. The basic, what is currently going on, the diluted, what is likely to happen in the future to the potential shareholders. For this reason, in a simple language, what's going to be happening is that our earnings per share is going to be equal to partes, and I'm going to explain what partes is, divided by wings. Partes divided by wings. Now, so what the heck is that? Partes means profit attributable to equity shareholders. Profit attributable to equity shareholders. Now, you have to be careful about this because we are not just looking at the profits for the year. Our focus is on profit attributable to the equity shareholders. So when we take the company, how much profit is attributable to equity shareholders? So somebody will ask, how the heck do we calculate that? So let's go find out how we can calculate a profit attributable to equity shareholders. So for illustration purposes, the profit attributable to equity shareholders will be the profit for the year. Now remember, profit for the year is the same as profit of the tax. Okay, you bring that up. Then you're going to list dividend payments to preference shareholders. Dividend paid to preference shareholders. Because if we have preference shareholders, remember, preference shareholders receive fixed dividend every year. Okay, or interest, but the, the, the interest we pay on preference shares, preference shares is a liability usually, the, diff, the interest we pay on preference shares is not brought in the statement of profit or loss. Instead, it is dealt with in the statement of changes in equity. So when we are picking the profit for the year and there is preference shares, then the dividend payable to the preference shares had not been taken into consideration, has not been deducted yet, hence we have to deduct it. We have to deduct it. Not only that, if we are in a group perspective, then it means that uh, dividend paid to minority or what we call uh, non-controlling interest would be deducted. So dividend paid to non-controlling interest. NIC is non-controlling interest. Now, uh, again, this is a little bit Will, this will really come in for maybe corporate reporting students because that is a little bit advanced uh, for the financial reporting students. But you cannot let anything go because consolidation is in level two. Financial reporting 
and non-controlling interest is dealt with as well. So I don't want you to take the limit off and say, hey, 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 it's not part. You just have to know if we are supposed to calculate earnings per share in a consolidated financial statement environment, then definitely the dividend that we pay to the non-controlling interest must be deducted because remember we are looking for parties which is the profit attributable to the equity shareholders the real shareholders the parent the shareholders of the parent entity so that will be deducted there and then boom that gives us our parties okay that gives us our parties so profit attributable to equity shareholders that is how we calculate it. That's how we calculate it. Then we go to the next one, and that is going to be the issue relating to wins, the denominator. Now, remember that depending on where we are standing at, Usually under diluted earnings per share, it's likely that the patterns may be adjusted. And we will explain that into detail. We are just talking about the default treatment here. Uh, as we take the specific scenarios, uh, as I've indicated here, we may have to adjust the uh, profit attributable to equity shareholders, especially when we are in the diluted earnings per share and we are dealing with convertible loan notes. Because when you are dealing with convertible loan notes, we would have to further adjust the profit attributable to equity shareholders. Don't worry, when we get there, you're gonna see how it will play 